0: Welcome back to Heart to Heart. On today's episode, we will pick up where we left off from last episode's topic of heart attacks. Today, we will be talking about what can come after a heart attack, heart failure. About half of all patients who develop heart failure die within five years. Now, as scary as that seems, heart failure doesn't have to be the deadly disease it sounds like it is. With modern medicines and treatments cardiologists have at their disposal, We will talk about how heart failure develops, and how cardiologists manage it. Heart to Heart is a series made for you, the patient. We hope to better public health and help you really understand more about your heart. If you are suffering from heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or you really just want to learn more about your heart then you should be listening to Heart to Heart with your hosts, the Youssef twins. We will delve into many topics across the field of cardiology to help you improve your health. Don't be confused. Be healthy. I'm Muhammad Yusuf, and our guest today is Dr. George Sokos a well-regarded cardiologist who is Director of Advanced Heart Failure at West Virginia University's Heart and Vascular Institute. He is also an Associate Professor of Medicine at WVU. Welcome, Dr. Sokos. Thanks for having me. So we've all heard about heart failure. Tell us, what does that really mean? So there's different
1: ways to think about heart failure, but for general purposes, it basically means that the heart is unable to pump adequate amounts of blood out to the body in uh, any at a given time. So there's different kinds of heart failure. There's what we call systolic heart failure, which means that the heart gets weak and is unable to uh, pump enough blood for each minute. So let me give you an example. So normal heart pumps out every beat, 65% of the blood that uh, comes into it. And when you think about what we call systolic heart failure or something called heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, Lots of terminology there, but basically with a weakened heart. That uh, typical reduction in in function is somewhere, say, down to 30%, just as an example. Then that results in less blood flow to the body and uh, different types of symptoms, which we'll, we'll probably get into here in just a minute. Then there's something called heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, which means essentially the heart's able to squeeze okay, so it's able to pump blood out adequately but it doesn't relax well, and it becomes stiff, kind of like a tire. And so that results in shortness of breath and and symptoms like that because the pressures inside the heart become so high, think of as high blood pressure inside the heart, Um, and that causes uh, someone to become short of breath because those pressures go back towards the lungs. So essentially, uh, you get symptoms from the heart being weak or the heart being stiff, But the symptoms are very uh, similar, and that's uh, what you see. The most common symptom that people come to us with is shortness of breath.
0: Got it. So, uh, moving on, are there varying degrees of heart failure? Uh, And If there is varying degrees, when do you push the line and say we're in heart failure now?
1: Yeah, so there's multiple ways to think of the degrees of heart failure. Mainly, I think for, the, for most people, the easiest way to understand it is how uh, limited in ability to do things are. So we try to classify hard failure um, by functional class. Functional, yeah. yeah so are you able to
0: go out to your car?
1: Right. So yeah. normal people, we would say, are functional class one. You can do whatever you want. Versus someone who's class four which would be a uh, short breath just talking to you like an eyeline to say, I can't even finish a sentence. So we would call that class four. Then there's very degrees reason between that. Um, so functionally, that's how we, we, we look at things. And then there are other ways we look at it. Something called stages. So functioning can, can vary from time to time. One minute, you could be feeling okay and you could say, I'm functioning in class one. And then you could become... Much more sick in the next couple hours, and you can be a class four patient. That's an extreme, obviously. It's not, it doesn't typically vary hour to hour like that. But staging typically means as the heart progresses and function and becomes worse and worse, it typically stays there. We stage people from A to D. So A, B, C, and D. And the majority of people live with in the C category. And when it becomes irreversible, we put them in the D
0: category. Got it. So A is sort of a more milder state. Yeah, A is is
1: what we call pre heart failure. So basically, you're, you have an at you're at risk. Something like, say, you have hypertension that puts you at risk to develop um, uh, heart failure at some point in the future, but you haven't developed symptoms, you haven't developed dysfunction of the heart, but you're at an at risk population. That's the way to think of that.
0: can you tell me what are some of the classic signs and symptoms of someone who's in heart failure? So
1: we talked about earlier, shortness of breath is probably the easiest one. Um, That's probably something that people will notice initially. Fatigue, we see fatigue very often. If you ask people and dig down into it, it's it's probably present in all patients with heart failure. As symptoms progress, people begin to become uh, more short of breath at rest. The, as the heart function diminishes or the pressures inside the heart increase, then you get backflow of fluid into the lungs and you develop what we call pulmonary edema or water on the lungs. Uh, and then that pressure is going uh, elevate so quickly that the right side of the heart it starts to begin to get weak. And that's when you start to develop fluid in your legs or edema from a physician's standpoint. Most people will notice that pretty easily or pretty readily.
0: Right. You can test pitting edema by putting your thumb on people's ankles. Yeah, or if, say you say you have your
1: socks on and leave an imprint in your in your leg. Now that could be yeah. a lot of people can have that, but as the edema gets worse, you can push your thumb in it and the imprint stays there. You can see yeah. that that stay there for several seconds. Right, yeah,
0: yeah, that's something I've seen as well. Can you tell me what causes or what primarily causes or leads to heart failure?
1: So the most common cause, at least in the United States, is coronary artery disease. So someone who's had a heart attack in the past, that damages the muscle of the heart and that weakens the heart function. Uh, and that's when you start to see the these symptoms. So initially, you'll have symptoms of the heart attack, obviously, and those are different from, from heart failure. And once the heart becomes weakened and dysfunctional, that's when we get to all those symptoms that we just talked about, the shortness of breath, the edema. Um, inability to do things, fatigue, that, that sort of thing. So that's the number one cause. There are other causes. Sometimes some there are some viruses that people can get that we call that people can obtain viral cardiomyopathy. Diabetes can pre- predispose you to, you know, uncontrolled diabetes can predispose you to heart failure. Too much alcohol consumption can do it. There are multiple reasons, but in general, we try to group things into two different categories. Those from coronary artery disease, or what we call ischemic cardiomyopathy, or those who are from other things that are not a heart attack-related group, what we call non-ischemic cardiomyopathy. So we try to, like, in general, group them into two larger categories, and then we do some digging into what may cause those.
0: Well, we've talked about patients being in heart failure. Can you tell me maybe how heart failure is diagnosed in the beginning?
1: The simplest way is with, well, obviously everyone's going to want to do a, a complete history and physical. If you go to your doctor and you complain complaining these symptoms, they're going to ask you lots of questions, try to figure out when everything started, how it started, what typically brings on the symptoms what doesn't, so that we can try to uh, make sure if there are other things that we need to look for, we, want to, we don't want to miss those, obviously. But the easiest screening test that we do is something called an echocardium or an ultrasound of the heart. And that allows us to get a good look at the function of the right side of the heart, the left side of the heart, the ventricles. When we talk about a weak heart, we're talking about decreased function of the ventricles.
0: So you're literally able to look at the heart in and, motion, In yeah. motion, look at it, and be able to say, I can tell from looking at it, it is weak. Right.
1: Yes. That's a normal squeeze. That's not a normal squeeze. And then we can tell a lot of other things from the echocardiogram too. We can look at the valve function of the heart because that can cause symptoms similar to heart failure. We can look at that, if there are any other um, issues in the other chambers of the heart. So, and we can do that right in the office. That's the beauty of an ultrasound like that. We have, we now have the ability to use uh, what we call a pocket ultrasound that we can just carry in a physician's coat pocket, pull that out and do a quick image right in the office. And it's a nice way to give direct feedback right to the patient. So that, and I, I like to show my patients, hey, this is what your heart looks like. And they, don't, and they Really, I've never seen that. So you're, it's really impactful because if you see what's wrong with you, then you get a better idea of why we want to do what we want to do with how we treat things.
0: After a person is diagnosed with heart failure, what can be expected in the, in the short term and the long term in the days, weeks, months, year?
1: Well, you can expect us to try really hard to find out why you had it. Uh, some of those tests include a heart catheterization, so you want to make sure that we, we don't have coronary artery disease because oftentimes people who have blockages in their arteries may not have had a heart attack. But if we're able to open up the flow of those arteries, then the function of the heart will come back and all those symptoms will go away and the heart function will be normal again. So we're always looking for a way to reverse what's happening. So you can expect a lot of testing out of us. Sometimes we can do something called a cardiac MRI, which is basically an MRI of the heart that gives us a better idea of the structure of the heart, what's how what kind of damage has been there? Is it reversible? Is it not reversible? And then helps us to understand how to treat patients. So you're looking, anytime you can find a reversible cause, you want to fix that first. Once we figure out, you know, that we can't do anything from a stenting plate or, you know, opening up the arteries with stents or anything like that or bypass surgery or whatever that may be, we, we turn to medical treatment. And there are multiple uh, therapies available to us now. That have been proven to save people's lives, increase longevity and improve symptoms. So probably most people who've heard of heart failure have heard of diuretics. That's that's something called, you know, take a flu or a fluid pill. So when you start to retain extra fluid like we talked about with the edema or the shortness of breath, oftentimes we give people diuretics to get rid of that fluid, cause you to pee a lot, gets rid of that fluid, and people feel a lot better. And that's something that we watch over time to make sure that Add more, take it away. And that's something your doctor, we as physicians look at closely to determine how much of that that we need at any given point in time. We also want to use other medications that may uh, that help to lower the blood pressure, help the heart function more properly. I like to tell my patients, you know, we're decreasing your pressure. So we create less resistance or you're trying to get to the your car to get better gas mileage. That's the easiest way to think about it. So if you make the car more aerodynamic, then it doesn't use as much gas to get to the same distance. And that's what we do with heart failure. So we try to make that happen with medication. It's really important to try to get to the right dosage of medications. Just being on the right medications is not enough. Trying to get to the best dosage can impact how long someone lives after they have heart failure.
0: Now, I'm just curious. You've talked about medical treatment. What is the role of, say, for example, non-medical treatment like diet, exercise?
1: Extremely important. So much so that we have a dietitian in our office. Because, you know, ingesting too much salt or sodium can cause you to retain more fluid. So we do a lot of education in our office about restricting sodium intake uh, and fluid intake. Some people are very sensitive to that. Some others are not. But we try to teach that uh, nonetheless so that we can prevent worsening symptoms. Very important, we um, try to get all of our patients into cardiac rehab after a certain amount of time. If you're hospitalized with heart failure, we typically wait about six weeks after that hospitalization to make sure that we get you on a good regimen of medications and then uh, get people into cardiac rehab because that's been shown to save people's lives and improve a long-term outcome. So really, really important. We really push that in our office.
0: Yeah, because I asked this because... But we mentioned before that among the main, the top main classic symptoms is fatigue and dyspnea, and it seems like if someone does experience fatigue or dyspnea, they may be it may be a little bit tougher for them to go and try to exercise. But you're you're telling me it's actually one of the yeah you, you want to do it. It is a
1: good, piece. you want to do it in a structured environment, right? Yeah, that's why some tell patients, you know because once you if you're admitted with heart failure you have symptoms. You you most of our patients don't feel safe. Doing that, they don't understand. You know, what is the safe amount um, that I can push myself? How hard can I can I do that? How hard can I exercise? And there's no way to know that without being monitored. That's what. That's where cardiac. Yeah, that's where cardiac
0: rehab is great.
1: We put people on a monitor. We watch them. We have trained professionals slowly increasing what you do. It's it's really important to make that part of your part of your treatment.
0: can you give me maybe just three ways three of the most important ways patients with heart failure can take care of themselves a little bit better we talked about limiting sodium intake so but eating right just a healthy
1: overall diet is important if you're obese you want to try to limit to try to reduce your weight because it's more strain on your heart so that's obviously very helpful taking your medications exactly how your doctor prescribes very important seems really simple and intuitive that you would do that but it's hard because sometimes when you first start these medications, people will experience some side effects. It's it's not uncommon to have that. You have to talk to your doctor about that. Those are things that we can adjust medication-wise so that you don't have that. And so that's really, really important. Following up with the rehab that we talked about, extremely important. You know, really take care of all your other medical conditions. Because just because we're taking care of the heart failure, and if you say you have diabetes underneath all of that, if you don't take care of your sugars, then that's not going to be helpful at all. So we know that All the underlying conditions that we need to treat are very important. You know, if someone's a smoker, we see a lot uh, in our population here, unfortunately. uh, Very important to stop smoking. Anything that can harm your health from, uh, you know, overall general health standpoint, we ask our patients to try their best uh, to stop doing that.
0: Okay, so basically just taking better care of yourself overall can help you. Common sense, right?
1: Common sense things still mean something. No matter what illness you have, whether that's cancer, heart failure, whatever that is, uh, overall, if you don't sleep well, get an adequate amount of sleep, rest, treat your body well, you're never going to recover from things. So it's really important.
0: Absolutely. Are there any final words you want to say?
1: Now, I would say that you know, if you have heart failure, don't feel despair. You no, know, there was a lot of great treatments. We you know we used to think of heart failure as something that we couldn't make an impact on longevity. If you uh, should sure the people out there see these new commercials with newer drugs on TV that say half the people were dead within five years, that could be true without the proper treatment. When you put when you push things, that you know, we 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 do really well. It's it's okay to be scared, but you know, you should talk to your daughter and the more educated you are, the more empowered you're gonna be and you're gonna do a lot, a lot better for the.. time. Okay, wonderful.
0: So I'm Mohammed Yusuf and George Soaks. And until next time, stay heart healthy. If you are curious to learn more about your heart, and more importantly, what you can do to keep it in great shape, you can find more informative episodes like this one by searching Heart to Heart on Apple Podcasts or Heart to Heart Cast on YouTube.